welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is mike taravella from rand partners welcome mike hey thank you so much rama for having me super excited to be on and add value to your listeners and your community Cool and thanks for being on the show. A little bit about Mike. Mike began his real estate investing career in 2016 by owning and self-managing investments in Michigan. He also took an interest in real estate development before joining Rand Partners in 2019. Mike is currently the asset manager that is responsible for underwriting deals, investor relations and asset management. Mike has worked for 5 years professionally in accounting. With that Mike would you like to add anything to your background? No, I think that's pretty I mean, went to Michigan State, was promised the dream of work for 30 to 60 years and realized very quickly in my career that uh true wealth is created by being active and adding value. So, for me it was finding real estate early on and when everyone told me no and my mom cried when I got my first property, I knew I was doing something right and uh now I've joined the dream team at Ram Partners where we have a 100 million assets under management and we're always looking to explore. Cool. And how did you get into real estate and multifamily, Mike? Yeah. So I worked for uh, Dan Gilbert, who's the billionaire who owns the Quicken Loans or Rocket Mortgage and the Cleveland Cavaliers. And so I was working a lot in public accounting and made the switch over. And I was just watching him develop and revitalize Detroit, uh, my hometown. And it was just tr- truly seeing that piece is where I realized I needed to do something different. So I had two single families at the time and I was helping Dan's startups and I was was te- telling them how to scale but I wasn't I realized I wasn't taking that ad- my own advice when it came to real estate investing uh, because I'd have to save a year's worth of money to buy a house and so on and so forth so then I realized uh I went on bigger pockets and just kind of learned more about scale and met uh John Casman dear friend of of mine today and he introduced me to multifamily and I realized I had to educate myself and I went to one of his conferences and just learned and realized that this isn't for, you know, people who have millions of dollars. Anyone can start this path. It takes a long time if you don't have the money, but you know, you got to value partnerships and add as much value as possible. So from there I was just educating myself looking to add value within the the community. I was underwriting for free for group so i was trying to connect investors to uh learn more about investing so i was doing anything i can to add value in the space and so from there uh ran partners jake and jake sinziano and gino barbaro jake and gino wilbero profits reached out to me and asked if i wanted to join the the team at ran partners and of june of 19 made the move and have been here ever since cool that's cool so how your previous experience in accounting helping you in multifamily and asset management Absolutely. That's a great question. So an accounting is the language of business. I think everyone today, when it comes to starting a business, they worry about Instagram likes, follows, and influence, which is influence is important, but you really need to understand the numbers. So my career in accounting, I knew how the numbers were formed because as an auditor, you have to figure out how each line item is 
uh, curated. And so just going through that made me proficient in Excel, but also how understand financial statements even more and where people could hide things. So on the acquisition side, it's important because if there's missing information, you can quickly sift it out. But also on the asset management side, it's having that numbers focus to constantly measure key performance indicators like occupancy, seeing your expenses if they're continually going up or down and other things like that. So accounting really just made me have a skeptical mindset, which can be good and bad because if you're too skeptical, you're not going to do any deals. But also if you're too optimistic, you're, you have a lot of blind spots when it comes to the numbers. So it just gave me a lot of opportunity to kind of, to be professionally skeptical but also make sure that we know our key performance indicators to grow and increase the profitability of each of our properties. Cool. Yeah. Um, thanks for sharing that. So what is your role as an asset manager with RAND Partners? Yeah. So I, it's a quasi role of asset manager and acquisition. So we're always looking to buy and purchase. And so in the day it's the calling brokers and owners and trying to get the next deal, but in specifically for asset management, we're, we're really dialing in on the not sexy stuff that people talk about on podcasts, right? So we're going through the week by week rhythms of our pulses, which is our filled out by our property management team to showcase how the property is performing. What is our occupancy? Occupancy. What is our delinquency? With especially the the COVID nineteen pandemic was a wild roller coaster, but thankfully we were had a, were in strong markets that had strong rent collection. How's our turns? How's our budgets? All of these things to constantly measure and make sure we're progressing with our business plans. Because if you don't measure these numbers weekly. You'll ever find out every month and then your investors hold you accountable on why things haven't been paid out or why are we missing the mark. So it's a test and measuring space, but also being compassionate, right? The property management team is boots on the ground. And so you might tell them, hey, we need to only spend $200 a unit. But in the world where prices have increased and logistics have gone down, you might have to spend more than your budget. So we work with our property management team collaboratively to find solutions instead of the the stigma the asset manager manages the property manager. It's a stigma I wanted to help get rid of because property management jobs are hard and we have to kind of work and attack as a team because we're vertically integrated. Yeah, so cool. So and what is your process of selecting great property management company? Well, for us, we're pretty biased because we're internally managed and we have our own property management team. But for someone out there that's looking for a property management company to be partner with or do business with, I think it's really important that they have experience managing properties that you are purchasing. Uh, The last thing I'd want an investor to do is to use a property management team that has only experience with class A properties that are brand new and then have that are 300 units and and then ask them to manage my 200 or my 20 unit that's a 1970s class C product. So really make sure you have the, you know, they have a ton of experience doing managing the property that you will be buying, but also making sure they have the systems and rhythms in place that you're all on the same page because that, that can, that if you don't have feedback, it's like a wave. If you have constant feedback, there's little ripples and you can quickly course correct. But if you don't get a ton of feedback in a while, then you're just going to get a tidal wave, negative feedback, and it could destroy your business. So property managers are a huge, vital piece when it comes to commercial real estate. Yeah, so true. So would you share any best practices you're implementing as part of asset management? 
So the best advice I can say for listeners new and old is implementing budgets. I know it's a very sexy topic of, you know, we all have, I'm sure have our budgets at for our personal finances, but implementing a budget and having that property management agree on that budget will set you up in a such a better place from the previous year. So every fourth quarter, or if you're acquiring a property, the first thing I do is set up a budget and work with our property management team to make sure that they agree with it. Because what happens is the property management team at the at once they start the budget, it says, oh, we can spend $300 per unit repairs and maintenance or whatever it may be. But then if you go in six months into the project and they keep spending $600, you can't really, you can hold them accountable and say, hey, what's going on here? What's, why are we constantly overspending? And I think it really sets up a dialogue of accountability of what's happening, but also it allows you and your team to think of creative solutions. Because if you didn't have that budget, you really wouldn't know what the problem is and it can be quick hidden if everything else is going really well. But really the budgets allows you for very granular, specific questions on each line item and it holds everyone accountable, right? So I would highly recommend budgets. Investing in a property ma- or project management software. So we use Asana, which is free. So when I say invest, I mean the time not necessarily the money, but it's in dedicating that so all of your team members have access, can quickly see where statuses of projects are. Anything in life has changed, but I think investing in that system that can grow with you will be an absolute game changer for you, your team, and your investors. Cool, cool. So as an asset manager, what steps you would take to increase NY? Yep. So increasing NOI, we look at is uh, either increasing income or reducing expenses. So obviously the, the first one that everyone comes to mind is increasing rents or occupancy. But the biggest thing that we really look at I think that differentiates our group is other income. Generally as a portfolio, we are total income, our other income represents 10% of our total income. So is it implementing rubs? Is it charging pet fees? We actually don't like using security deposits. We use uh, move-in fees, which are generally half the first month's rent. So instead of having in cities in like Chicago, Illinois, you have, if you do a security deposit, you have to pay back the 10 cents of interest that accrues over the year. And if you don't pay that out, what happens is if you don't pay that interest out, you can get sued and lose three times the security deposit immediately, very quickly. So we decided to charge move-in fees, and that's been a great piece to increase NOI. For expenses, reducing those, we've seen a lot of larger property management groups have a lot of dues and subscriptions, softwares, like daily pricing softwares. We've even seen a billboard uh, for one of our properties that was on a line item for 30 grand. So it's really looking in at your operations and saying, do we need this expense? But I caveat that with that doesn't affect the resident experience in a negative way, right? So the last thing we want to do is cut a team member or, you know, fire a team member because our payroll's too high. But if our maintenance orders gets out of hand, that's going to ruin the resident experience. They're not going to want to stay on the property. And then we have to turn the units and everyone's not happy. So when looking at your expenses, really ask your property management team, will this hurt the resident experience? Cool. And thanks for sharing uh, this stuff. And uh, what steps you would take to attract high quality residents to our communities? 
Yeah. So first thing, we leverage apartments.com a lot. So that's been a big piece. And we have nice, clean photos. I think we, uh, for our investors out there who have seen apartments.com photos, it could be a wide variety of very poor quality photos, very dark photos. So make sure you have high quality photos. I actually invested in a drone this past year just so we can get better marketing photos. And that goes a long way. So investing in high quality photos, I think too, is the follow-up and of making sure resident all inquiries on the property property are followed up with because in real estate, the follow-up is key. And I think most importantly is trying to find other niches in which you can execute your business plan. Like Facebook Marketplace, it takes a little more time, but we've seen some of our properties leveraging that as a way to get residents in. And it's been super good, a super easy way to get residents. But also I think if you want it for the more savvy investor, we've actually invested in a software called Lisa and she's an artificial intelligence. So she'll actually respond to requests on apartments.com or uh, through our software and answering questions, kind of qualifying. So and getting them up to schedule an appointment to tour the unit. So it's always funny when our property managers say, hey, another potential resident was looking for Lisa, but we had to tell them she's an artificial intelligence. So all that being said, it just you in marketing, you have to be everywhere and keep the lead funnel full. So whether it's investing in apartments.com, investing your time in Facebook marketplace, or if you have the money investing in artificial intelligence, I think those are the three ways that I think your listeners could invest in their marketing and really dominate the market. Cool. So on what steps your group taking to protect assets during downtime? Yeah. So the, during uh, specifically like COVID-19 or just in general? In general. Okay. So yeah, we always, I think the budget is always a key piece and it's just constant because if things aren't performing the way we had planned, it's a good way to just reassess every quarter. So we're always looking at the numbers every week, every month, every quarter uh, during our investor webinars. So we're constantly seeing these numbers in our faces and assessing. And also I think a key metric that our team has adopted uh, is return of effort. Uh, we had we recently sold a property that required a lot of resources from our property management team. We had to drive them up to this other property and it just was not performing well and up to our standards. And so we decided to sell the property. So it's always just keep making sure you have a key pulse on collections and making sure you can add value. Uh, we found that having a high customer rating with our net promoter scores is a great way to help your collections because we found that residents who have a high net promoter score really want to live on the property and in that community. And so if people need help paying, we help with getting them set up with rental assistance programs. Uh, in our time of during the pandemic too, we provided everyone a roll of toilet paper and a card saying, hey, during these crappy times, Rand Property Management's here for you. So it's always you know, adding value. But on the investing side, it's just making sure we're focusing on newer products because we've seen a lot of that. We've had a lot of 1960s product in our portfolio, but thankfully we have a construction team in Knoxville. But um, the older products you buy, the more likely they're going to break down and depreciate sooner. So I think it's just making sure you're not buying older products and thinking that you're not going to have to do that much to them because it's it's going to require a lot of work. It's going to require a lot of capex and a lot of time and a lot of labor. So I think it's setting that expectation of with our team, because it takes more than one person in multifamily to execute. So just making sure everyone's on the same page with the same expectations as well. And that'll say solve a lot of problems. 
Yep. Yeah. Cool. And thanks for sharing that. And how is COVID impact on your properties and what is your strategy going forward? Yeah. So COVID hasn't really affected too much. Our collections stayed between the 92 to 96% range where most of our properties are in Kentucky and Knoxville, Tennessee, but it's really affected our acquisitions because we really want to focus on better vintage. So 1980s or newer, we'll look at the 1970s product, but it has to be at the right price. But also we're just honing in on collections because, and the reason for that is, I'm sure every group says that, but because agency debt is getting so much harder, they're nitpicking absolutely everything coming through. And so it's just really important to make sure residents are paying and just by any means necessary following up because uh, to qualify for agency debt, you need 90% physically occupied for 90 days. And you also need, I think, high 80% economic occupancy, which is how many people are paying divided by total units. So it's just really dialing in on collections, newer vintage, because we find that the older the product, you're not attracting, you're attracting a higher quality resident who pays and has a higher income job. But we also have seen too, during the pandemic, emergency workers need a place and have been working through it. So thankfully, our, our collections have been strong, valuations have gone up, which is good for us as uh, owners, but also when you're trying to acquire more properties, it just makes it that much harder. Cool. So would you share any of your best experiences or any like out-of-box idea you have implemented as part of asset management? I think the biggest thing is implementing Asana has been a truly game changer in my life. I use it for my personal life. I use it for my business. But for those who don't know what Asana is, it's like a mixture of Trello, but it has a calendar feature and boards. And it's like an ultimate project management software. So we are yeah, project management. And it really just allows you to keep accountable on what tasks that need to be done. Because if you're managing your day with emails and your Google calendar, you're it's going to be tough to get things done. You know, what is your highest and best use and just re-grounding in on that. And so we use it for marketing, we use it for asset management rhythms of scheduling webinars, doing monthly statements. So it's been an absolute, because I think I got it from Cal Newport Deep Work of if you have to remember it, your brain has to constantly think about it and it's it's going to get forgotten. So I think it's just important to build the system, not necessarily keep banging your head on the machine, you know, hitting the same wall over and over and over again. So build a system and keep implementing newer, you know, implementing and building it so that you can plug in one team member, a new team member, and they know exactly how to do it every time. So I think that that's been the biggest game changer. And we've seen our team just operationally pick that up and run with it and start implementing it on the property. So that we all have a same rhythm for communication and seeing how it all works. And it's been a truly game changer for us. Yes. Asana is a great tool. Yep. And this is not a sponsored ad for Asana, I promise. (laughs) Yes, I do use Asana. It's a great tool. So would you share any challenging or worst experience with asset management? I think so with, even though everything has been going great on the asset management side, I think COVID-19 was an absolute equalizer for, you could have had 30 years experience and every day you were reading the news and trying to play catch up and PPP loans. So every day was a test day for, I feel like four to six months of just new legislation, exec eviction moratoriums. And you had to just know everything about everything every day. So it was a challenge, but also it was a great opportunity 
opportunity to, and I told, we hired an analyst last year and I said, Hey, you know, as much about real estate and this loan or these moratoriums as a guy who's been here 30 years. So with that and the constant changes, it was just a lot to process and just really make sure we're doing all the right things for our residents and our communities. And so just constantly following up, making sure we're performing. And I think everyone had that panic of, are people going to pay rent in March, April, May, and then throughout the year, you know, stimulus checks and all everything was, all the balls were in the air, trying to catch them all and juggle them and just making sure we're doing everything correctly. I think that was the, the biggest piece that was a struggle as an asset manager. And it's not easy, right? Because you always think the, the world is going to end if you keep watching the news and it didn't. And here we are today. So thankfully, all is well, but it was a, it's a great opportunity to learn and grow. Yep, sure. So what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now, Mike? Yeah. So two things, like I think two things. One is I'm currently drafting a asset management book to help investors understand what it is. Uh, the only product that I've seen out there has been like a textbook. And it's been a very, you know, as an asset manager, I've seen a lot of people in the space and they don't know what it is. And there's just so many moving parts of executing a deal that I really wanted to help build a product that a book that kind of lays it out there of here are the rhythms we do it. And so that you go into a deal, you, you feel more confident, right? You're always going to be nerds on the first one and the second one and so on, but you're going to have more nerd, you know, more confidence going into that deal. So that's the first thing. And the second thing, Rand partners were looking to develop in 2021. So one of our capital or construction team members just passed their general contracting license. And so now they are, uh, we're just looking to buy land and develop on it in the Knoxville area. So as an entrepreneur, you always have to pivot. We're just excited to kind of continue to build the momentum in the multifamily space and just learn and grow every day. Yeah, that's true. So any one advice that impacted you, Mike? One advice, I would say learn every day. So spend time learning, but also spend time connecting. I think there's so many podcasts like Bigger Pockets. You can have a podcast on wholesaling and flipping and then multifamily. So really go deep in one topic, but also make sure you're applying that knowledge by connecting with other people who are in the space and add value, right? Because you can learn everything, but then not do anything with it. But by connecting with people, putting your goals out there, putting yourself out there, that's going to help you take action and get juice. And I think that was super helpful for me was just constantly meeting new people every day. Because I know when I first started, like I said, my mom cried when I got my first rental property saying, I'm just going to lose all my money. But if I still have that same circle of friends, I wouldn't be here with you talking, right? So it's just constantly meeting new people and evolving my circle to help take over the world. Yeah, that's awesome advice. So any one book that impacted your life and what way? I would say Principles by Ray Dalio. I feel like Rich Dad, Poor Dad is overplayed, but I think Ray Dalio's Principles is a phenomenal book. It's a very deep read, but you really get to, you know, there's a lot of principles and it's very dense in the sense of you have to spend time to think about reading his principles and then how, you know, reflect on your life and what your principles are. So that, that book alone is easily my top three favorite books of all time. Okay. Yeah. So how are you giving back to community? 
So I help the Jake and Gino community. We're helping investors learn how to navigate this commercial real estate space. We also have a, a Rand Cares, so Rand or the Rand family of companies. We donate to food drives in Knoxville. I think this past holiday season, we donated 20,000 meals. And the year before, we actually helped build a playground uh, for the Boys and Girls Club. We were supposed to, we were going to do another event this past year, but due to the pandemic, we weren't able to, but we just, we really ground into our communities and help add value by developing our areas and just being a role model for the community. Cool. Yep. So how can listeners can connect with you, Mike? Absolutely. So feel free to reach out to me, Mike T at rancieri.com. Find me on LinkedIn, Mike Taravella Jr. Clubhouse at value add Mike. That's the newest trend. Uh, Instagram at Mike underscore Taravella. Yeah, Mike underscore Taravella. So all of those mediums, uh, feel free to reach out to me. And if anyone has any questions about actively investing or passive, I'm more than happy to help them in their journey. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, Please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.